Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. Bill Graham. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Good Lord. And we have a special guest here with us today to talk about the photorealistic remake of The Lion King. <laughs> it's Jesse Hassinger. Hi there. Have I pronounced your name correctly? You have. First try. Bang on. Ooh, that's great. <laughs> it's going to be a good day then. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. By way of introduction, why don't you tell the fine people at home a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a freelance film critic. I write for the AV Club, uh, The Week, uh, Nylon, The Verge, etc. I also am the co-founder of SportsAlcohol.com, which has its own podcasts and a bunch of lists and stuff. If you are interested in lots of people complaining and uh, enthusing about popular culture. All right. I mean, I, I don't know who listens to a movie review podcast if that's not their jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And we are here today, as I said, to talk about the remake of the lion King. Good times. Before we get into that, the usual nonsense up front, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Uh, go to your podcast app of choice. Uh, try to access iTunes. Give us a comment. Give us a rating. Email us podcast at thefilmstage.com. You can also go to patreon.com slash show for as little as $1 an episode. You get access to our Slack channel. You get first crack at all of our raffles. And uh, in general, you get to join a community of people who think too much about stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> we are also, as always, brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where each day their wonderful curators bring you a brand new film to enjoy. You have that film for 30 days and then it disappears. And that's a constantly rotating selection of great, great movies for you to check out. Such as Film of the Day Today, The Exterminating Angels... We also have The Saddest Music in the World from Guy Madden and The Comedy. One of us previously was talking about The Comedy, were they not? I don't think so. I've kind of stayed away from Rick Alverson. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you at home do not want to stay away from Rick Alverson, check out The Comedy from 2012. It is a movie that I remember a lot of people talking about and deciding not to see, but it's on movie now. <laughs> And honestly, I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll check it out. And again, we want to spotlight The Loneliest Planet, which is still on there now. I wonder what the, I wonder what the movie that's about to leave is. It's uh, like Someone like in Love. Someone in Love. I, I, this is a pointless recommendation because you're going to have to find another way to see it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Look, I can sometimes get these movies out night of. So if someone is awake, downloads the episode and gets to this point. Before midnight hits, you can see Like Someone in Love. Abbas Kiristami. Anyway, for a free 30-day trial of movies so that you can do that, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. But that's it for the upfront stuff. Now it's time for the main event. We're here to talk about The Lion King. 
This is the newest film from director John Favreau, who previously did the photorealistic mixed with live action adaptation of The Jungle Book, which we reviewed on this year's podcast. The Lion King stars. I don't even know who to go with first. There's too many good names. I'm going to go with Chiwetela Jufor, James Earl Jones, Alfred Woodard. And then, of course, we got Keegan-Michael Key, Eric Andre, who I've just uh, rediscovered my love of because I watched Man Seeking Woman. Then, of course, we got big names, Donald Glover and Beyonce, as well as Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. And I'm just going to stop because I can't keep doing this forever. Anyway, here is the trailer. Life's not fair, is it, my little friend? While some are born to feast... Others spend their lives in the dark. Begging for scraps. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. All right. Plot of the Lion King. Same as the other Lion King. (laughs) (laughs) This movie charts... Young Simba, who is the heir to the throne of the Pride Lands, uh, but some machinations from his uncle Scar make him an outcast. He has to decide whether or not he can come back to take up the mantle of the Lion King. This is a photorealistic remake of the original animated classic. Let's see what we thought about it. I'd also like to begin by just asking people if you have, like, the only 90 kids will understand this kind of nostalgic hook into The Lion King. So, Jesse, why don't you kick us off? What are your basic thoughts on both the original and the remake? Well, I'm just, like, a shade too old to have The Lion King be, like, one of my go-to favorite Disney things. Um, I was a little, almost 14 when it came out, so I took my sister to see it. And I, I never stopped going to see Disney movies, so I've seen most of the cartoons they've made in my lifetime in the movie theaters. So I like it a lot. I'm sure when I was making, as a 14-year-old, making my 10 best list for 1994, I'm pretty sure I included it. Um, I rewatched it the other day because my daughter, who is three and a half, had not seen it. Um, and it's, you know, I, as someone who loves animation, I do love the like golden age, the nineties golden age Disney cartoons. Uh, but, you know, they do feel kind of increasingly formulaic as you get older and, and as a, also as you watch them over and over. And certainly there's, a, I think there's a lot of recent ones that do a better job of sort of giving you formula, but also tweaks to the formula. I think Moana, for example, does that really well. Lion King feels a little more boilerplate. I, even as a 13 year old, I was sort of puzzled by the kind of like, this is the one kind of, I, I, you know, I liked Aladdin more and I like Beauty and the Beast more. And that's still true. But I do. It's a beautifully animated movie. Um, it's very, you know, it's crisply paced. It's an 88 minute movie. It's great. Um, the new one, uh, I will give it some credit for making me reevaluate the other Disney remakes in the sense that I had previously would have said that I disliked them for the most part, liked a couple of them. And this movie made me think, oh, no, I I really didn't understand dislike uh, <laughs> before. What I felt for the Bill Condon Beauty and the Beast was, in fact, indifference. Or, you know, Favreau Jungle Book was sort of, you know, a mild wonder, but also sort of it didn't really stay with me. I kind of full on hated this this experience. And I almost wish I didn't just because there, I feel like that's, you know, that sort of seems to be the consensus with other smart people that I know that 
this was particularly bad, but it really, for me, really, really is in a way that none of the other ones, I, you know, especially compared to this, I really kind of enjoyed that Aladdin movie from, I'm, I'm nostalgic now for Aladdin 2019 <laughs> because I, I had a good time watching that for the most part. And I did not have a good time watching The Lion King. The pop culture cycle moves so fast now. Yeah, yeah. You guys remember the 2019 Aladdin? <laughs> <laughs> Legitimately do not. Someone <laughs> mentioned that that came out and I was like, oh, oh right, shit. Yeah. I also <laughs> forgot about Dumbo. That existed this this year. It was also, from Tim Burton. Dumbo's looking great at this point. <laughs> Dumbo, I, I uh, thought it was just kind of, you know, pretty good. But now I'm like, boy, I miss Dumbo. That was a great movie. <laughs> As the person who reviewed Dumbo for our website, I don't miss Dumbo. But I guess <laughs> if I was made to watch one of them again, it would be Dumbo. Certainly, yeah. So that's a sneak peek at my Jesus. thoughts. Uh, Bill Graham, let's go to you. Thoughts on the original, thoughts on the remake? Oh, the original is wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. I saw it, what was it, like three, four years ago before they started doing these live action remakes when they re-released Lion King in 3D and it was kind of like remastered and uh, that up was on the your big first screen. time, Bill? No, 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 no. Oh, no, that's sorry. when I saw it like recently. Oh, I'm just um, curious. Okay, sorry. Yeah, and so I saw it on the big screen with a bunch of other kids, probably for the first time, and like had goosebumps throughout the entire 88 minutes or whatever long it is. Um, and it looked fantastic, and I was like, "Wow, this it, it just doesn't get better than this." And then I saw this movie, and I was like, "Yeah, no, still, still." still doesn't get topped so not even close uh sorry this movie's not very good uh spoiler alert uh wished it had more energy wish it had more fun um this movie is just devoid of all energy and all fun except for billy eigner and seth rogan that's about the only bright spot in this entire fucking thing um which is sad uh oh it does look fantastic. So does it though? there's that. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be the question of the <laughs> That's going to be that is that is indeed go there's going to be a moment where we have to <laughs> as in any great philosophical argument define the terms. <laughs> but we're not there yet. We're just in the random thoughts. So Michael Snydell, affection or connection to the original and thoughts on the new? Yeah, I've, I've talked a lot about my inability to experience nostalgia with like very few exceptions. This is one of those very few exceptions. I was in fact three years old when this came out. So, uh, you know, I grew up with this movie. So I, I've seen this, you know, dozens of times um, before even I saw it later and it, it still became, you know, one of those things that I, I loved beyond any critical, uh, real critical examination. Uh, I, I actually literally just finished a rewatch of this uh, minutes before this podcast started. And I, I did start to feel the formula a little bit, but I also found myself uh, tapping along and being incredibly annoying in mouthing the words at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, this is something that's kind of unimpeachable to me, even though I recognize that there's certain Golden Age Disney movies that are more creative and better. This is this is just it for me. Uh, this one, I I pretty much uh, hated until uh, Timon and 
Pumbaa. Yes. And, and yeah, I mean, I I'm all in on uh, Billy Eichner's prima donna like routine. Like I I know some people it, it bugs the hell out of, but I am all in for it. And I was like finding myself giggling and feeling emotions towards this movie. And I, I, I guess that's the most damning thing I can say about this is I just felt like this this frustrating numbness combined with this uh, sense that I was being forced to feel like a, a, uh, a shade of what I was supposed to feel, like the way this teases every overture, the way that it leans into every line but misses so much about the line delivery, the way that the camera work is like both exhibitionist like in a Ritu bullshit and um, straight down the middle, totally uninterested in, in composition, in in anything beyond slavish devotion, but also completely misunderstanding what was amazing about the way that the Lion King moved. Like this was just from front to back an incredibly frustrating experience. And the brief amount of freedom that came when Seth Rogen and uh, Billy Eichner came in and this movie just like, it gets looser for like 10 minutes and then the plot starts again and it tightens again. And um, yeah, people who I usually love are so flat in this. Uh, no one thought about how duets work. No one thought about how music needs to work with this. <laughs> like, I, like it's, I love Beyonce. I love Donald Glover. Those two, you can't have two showstoppers in the same song. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this was just like this was bad and it and it makes me want to I don't even like dislike George Lucas's new stuff or James Cameron's new stuff, but it makes me want to reevaluate it and just like the curiosity and the sense of imagination that's in every second of that even when it doesn't work for me. Jesus Christ, you want to watch Avatar and I do. Star oh, I do. Wars prequels? Oh, wait, I actually like the Star Wars prequels. I don't know if that's been said on this podcast. Oh, okay. I don't think well, that, no, I, I mean, don't think we've ever talked about that before. Yeah, no, it's they're that's, fine. That's I, I don't have strong feelings about them to be honest, but I, like I, yeah. No, but yeah, this it's not a travesty or anything, but I was deeply like annoyed. If you, if you <laughs> want to rewatch those movies. <laughs> so, so as a child of, I guess, I don't know, six or seven. When you were a young yeah. Lord Hawk? Yeah, when I was I, a young When Lord I Hawk. was a young Lord Hawk. So this was released, uh, the original was released in June. Oh, it's the, like almost the same weekend. It's the 24th of June, 1994. So, so I would have been seven by that point. I went and saw this movie in the theaters, quite enjoyed it. The weirdest part is I remember it having more of a life, you know, on, on VHS at my house. So I, most of the times that I remember thinking about it and seeing it, we're in my own living room. The weirdest part is that my biggest affection for this movie comes from the, uh, the Sega Genesis game. Okay. What to the, the point that whenever <laughs> I hear the "I just can't wait to be king" scene, uh, song, or the music from the Stampede, my visceral reaction is like, "Fuck that level! That level's impossible." This, I have played this game. <laughs> yeah. Not 
not fun at all. So, you know, there's a lot of that going on in my brain. Beautiful, um, beautiful video game tie-in <laughs> promotions. <laughs> yes, yeah, this uh, is a, we are we are sponsored by Sega 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what was I going to say? So, so that like I I don't I don't attach to properties really. Like the the property I attached most to as a child was probably Jurassic Park. But that's because it was dinosaurs, and I just like dinosaurs, you know? So I'm not one of these uber Disney fans. I don't find these things to be particularly sacred. But, but wow, I did not like this movie. <laughs> you know, I just, this new one, I'm watching it, and I'm kind of struck by how at once completely slavishly devoted it is while at the same time avoiding doing any of the cool stuff like the good mm -hmm. stuff the stuff mm -hmm. that i want and my feelings towards this entire movie can be summed up by a single scene that is in the beginning so i can talk about it in some detail because it's not a spoiler unless the way this movie deviates from the original is a spoiler in which case i don't know what to do for you so <laughs> We all recall Scar's introduction from the original, yes. where there's a little mouse, it sniffs, sniffs, it runs, and then thwap, his paw comes down on it, he lifts it up, he's got the mouse dangling, and you got Jeremy goddamn Irons yeah. just chewing up the English language and spitting it out like honey. <laughs> and, he, and he is about to eat this mouse with so much relish, pun not intended, and that's like a great villain introduction, you know, because he is he's how even do I... talking to it. Yeah, yeah he's, he's taunting he's, it the whole time. He's taunting it. He's giving you some information about himself. He's, you know, for for us, for a lion, a very good looking man. And he's just got <laughs> this kind of yeah, weird, no, he's, he's, dark he's energy. Got... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> in this movie, the new one I'm watching and the mouse shows up and I'm like, oh, right. This is the they introduced Scar. And this fucking mouse, we follow around for like a full goddamn minute. <laughs> so I That's kept... basically this entire fucking movie is it's it's a secret nature documentary. Right. So so I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, this mouse going to get got. Nothing happens. And I'm like, OK, so, you know, they, they want to show off the tech a little bit. It is a very good looking mouse. And then I just keep waiting for the moment when that paw is going to come down. <laughs> And it never comes. And then finally the mouse is like in the cave. And I thought I heard a lion. And I'm like, now the paw is going to come down and we're going to get Chiwetel Ejiofor, a man who I have repeatedly said should be James Bond. And mm -hmm. he is going to thwap down on the mouse and then talk to this mouse about how he's going to eat this goddamn mouse. <laughs> Instead, he limps out of the shadows like the octogenarian opioid abuser that he looks like <laughs> mumbles at this mouse as it runs around and he does nothing. And then Zazu shows up and I'm like, that's it. Like you had the same basic conceit of the scene, but you didn't do any of the fun stuff. And that's this movie. That's the whole mm -hmm. of this movie is like, we are going to sap the personality and the fun and the interest and the brevity out of this yes. movie. And um, you're just going to eat it up because you already paid your money and you're sitting in the, the seats. And so I just, I don't know who would enjoy this. 
Because even though I was not looking forward to this movie, and even though we three basically had to force ourselves to see it because Bill (laughs) does not yet have the farewell in Dallas, and we haven't really talked about one of these remakes since, I think, Pete's Dragon, which only barely counts. Jungle Book. Oh, right. We did talk about Jungle Book, which is, again, a movie that I kind of liked, but is so forgettable that I forgot that it came out after Pete's Dragon. Yeah, but what about Christopher Walken in Jungle Book? There is nothing that is remotely on this level of insanity in this. Right, no, that's the thing. Like, I I stuck up for the Jungle Book. I was like, I kind of liked it. It's kind of weird that it couldn't decide if it wanted to be musical or not. But, like, (laughs) the points where it kind of picked up, I was really happy. I had a whole speech about bees and honey, if we recall. Mm -hmm. But this Mm -hmm. movie, I just, like, I don't get it. Like, what what were they doing? What were they thinking? I, I wish... I could have found someone who loved this movie, but even like I reached out to a few of the people in my life who I know straight up love the Lion King and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go see that right away. Yep. So I couldn't even like get one of them to write me an email (laughs) so that I could read an opposing opinion. (laughs) One of them reached out to me and said, I am legitimately terrified. And this is a woman who has like the Simba drawing from the original movie, like tattooed on her body. Mm. So um Yeesh. so this That's movie too, too close too yeah. close. <laughs> so we we've all aired our feelings. We can talk more about scene to scene and spoilers, but I want to return to something that Bill said that Jesse took issue with. <laughs> Does this movie look good? <laughs> let's let's ask another question. Is this an animated movie? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If there's yeah. no motion capture, they, I, they, I get the, they animated I this. get the the urge to say to say that it's something in between, even though that kind of smacks of Favreau trying to you know thread a needle or for marketing purposes. Right. I get that if you're saying, look, every element in this movie has appeared essentially in some kind of live action movie as a special effect. So if it's a movie that's trying to be photorealistic and uses all these elements and happens to not have any actors in it, I can kind of sort of see the argument as I've thought about it and after watching it, that it is. So, so the only requirement is having an actor in your movie, well, a, a live action actor. So, so the jungle book wasn't an animated movie. Right. I think the jungle book that by, by dint of having the live action, well, the, even the Lion King, I can see you're saying all you're taking out of that is the one live actor. Pretty much. So, and few, not that many people were saying the Jungle Book. It's basically an, an animated remake. They still kind of called it a live action remake. So I can see by that sort of slippery slopey logic that The Lion King could also be considered live action. And in terms of what it's trying to do, I don't really consider it live action by any reasonable definition. But what it's trying to do is definitely be a live action Lion King. That's what it kind of wants to be. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And they just didn't. That's like the. And this is probably the best way to do it. If you if that is a thing you want to do. So, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it is by any reasonable definition, it's an animated movie. I can understand calling it live action because I think that's what, what was the, I think that's the aim. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. They wanted, they wanted to make something that was like photorealistic. So it's like, it's like when, uh, Peter Jackson did King Kong, you know, he's like, this, this is a real monkey we're doing. Like we want it to appear real, you know, but it's, it's not, there's a person interacting with it, but it's not, but it's even weirder in this movie because you know, Bill, talking about the Jungle Book, there were sets. There were 
you know, green painted puppets that this boy had to interact with. They've set a physical camera down. This movie doesn't have any of that. I don't I don't agree with that. I What do you I mean you don't agree? There's... That's literally the truth. <laughs> I, I mean, were you on set for this production? I imagine that there is a lot of actual camera work in this film that they ended up adding in computer generated imagery from what I understand just, and this is not by no means an insider. This is like, I, this is like an entertainment weekly report. I'm like paraphrasing. So, uh, you know, it's pretty promotional stuff, but from what I understand, it was essentially mo- kind of mocked up with kind of traditional CG, the way you would when you're starting a CG animated sequence and then sort of fed into a VR rig and like, including the camera stuff, most of it was really kind of made, polished, shots chosen, etc. in VR. I don't really know how that works, but how it's been sort of described to, to you know, a couple magazines and stuff is that it was basically made in a VR rig. So there wasn't really, I, I wonder they must have done some stuff for reference, but I think what you're seeing in the movie is not a physical camera. They're not the work of a physical camera. Yes, that, that is. So they've they've been a little... I don't want to say cagey because that makes it sound like they're trying to destroy the world, but they have been (laughs) a little tight lipped about what precisely went in. And I'm sure that is, I think they want to preserve a little bit of the magic, you know, but I think they didn't fucking show a trailer for this goddamn movie with any lions talking for like until like a month ago yeah, or so. (laughs) It was like, it was like promos going around more than actual trailers as well. Yeah, yeah they like this, finally this got the mouths right weird, two weeks ago. Yeah. And then they started <laughs> releasing this, this was a weird promotion for this film. But like, so, Bill, to go back to your, your question, again, Jungle Book, boy on a set, camera, this movie, okay, VR rig, in, in a computer. It's It's animated. It's Toy Story. So, so Avatar is is live action there there are definite live action elements within it and they well, use motion capture yeah, yeah so exactly. there's no motion capture in this movie even the even the most fully animated parts of avatar uh, I, I if i understand correctly a lot of it was worthington with a bunch of dots on his face being knocked around a little bit sure if yeah. you're not around capture. sam worthington then it's live action but but they certainly didn't go like to that. uh uh, the planet Navi, right? Well, Bill, okay, but here's this is the dumbest <laughs> conversation. Saying. How no, what, no, no, like, no. the Marvel we, movies all take like, place can, on a back lot in Atlanta? Those are not animated like, yeah, movies. I, I got it. This got movie it. Like, involved no performance capture, no sets, no red cameras or film cameras. Nothing. This is an animated movie through and through. It like this is this is a movie that was animated. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. As to the question of whether or not it looks good, I think that the animals look very real. I think that that does not work in the movie's service and that that makes the aesthetic of the movie as a whole terrible. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I agree because it's uh, even, I mean, even if you want to, even putting aside does photorealistic animals work in a talking singing context? And I think the answer is mostly no. Um, And just like beyond that, the kind of, you know, how Favreau composes his shots, are they interesting? Mostly no. Uh, And the answer is only occasionally yes. When he rips off a shot from the 1994 movie and usually does it much worse. Um, 
and just like does kind of like a muted sort of like exactly what you're talking about with the mouse at the beginning where it's like oh yeah this is like inspired by a shot from the 1994 lion king but it's not as dramatic a shot and it's not as interesting a shot also just like in terms of color uh you know i, I hesitate to act like it's you know incorrect for a movie to have be all kind of browns and grays because you can certainly you know you don't have everything doesn't have to be bustling busting with bright colors to be kind of aesthetically correct or whatever but this movie is just boring to look at. It's not to they me. They don't it's... even like when when there's a sequence. If you've seen their original or spoiler, uh, if you haven't, um, there is a sequence when Timon and Pumbaa show a young uh, lion. I will say um, the glories of eating bugs and. In the animated sequence, I'm pretty sure you see some squishing going on. You see some. You do. Some, yeah. You see some uh, some innards. Maybe I will call you. Will, you see some some jelly like substance, right? It's uh, graphic this, now. It's it's real <laughs> gross because when in in this movie they say "ooh, the little cream filled kind," but in the original, he's bitten into a bug and is waving it around as its cream comes out. Yes, like it's. It's not even as fun during that sequence. And like the bugs look really good. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, like rip one of these suckers open. And they're like, nah, don't, don't bother with that. You can't, the, like, the grub is so real that I was concerned that they would rip it in half because I would feel bad for the grub. <laughs> but in the original movie, I was like, yeah, that bug looks delicious. Let's do it. I mean, the whole ecosystem of the Lion King is kind of broken by doing photorealistic rendering of it Absolutely. because... When they talk, when they show, uh, you know, or t- talk about the, you know, the, there's the famous scene in the original where they sort of explain why it's okay for you to be on the side of the lions as, as the monarchy in this movie, mm-hmm. where Sim, uh, Mufasa explains to Simba, like, you know, Simba's like, don't, but don't we eat the antelope? And he says, yes, but then we die and they, we feed the grass and the grass feeds the antelope circle of life, blah, blah, blah. I think that's the exact quote. Uh, <laughs> he, um, in this movie, it's much more disturbing for to see like real-looking animals genuflecting at the real-looking predators that are going to eat them. Uh, it, it's just like that, you know. Cartoons abstract things, and that can be very helpful uh, when you're trying to make a movie, for example, about the lions being the heroes and, and like being the kings of these all the whole animal kingdom. And when you bring that into kind of pretend live action, it becomes weird and disturbing the same way that they they obviously didn't want to show bugs being squished because it would be like weird and gross and look like real bugs being squished and equipment aside i i do think this actually does bring up something i, I want to talk about related to this which is the uh, which is the idea that it was weird as i was saying uh, i was re-watching it just before this and there are certain parts that uh, my partner and I were almost – we were disagreeing about whether they could have done that in a photorealistic environment. And, you know, like there's obvious things like, you know, should they have done the clouds as, you know, mm. Mufasa showing up or something or, you know, or uh, – but then there's also things I, I had forgotten about. Like, for instance, when uh, Simba, you know, has – or yeah, when Simba has his paw on like – scar's throat or something and his throat becomes choked up or something so like that that level of dynamic in the vocals and i think that's that's a weird thing and and jesse i i want to bring in your piece at the week about this a little bit is like you know you were kind of saying that 
this photorealism is in direct contradiction to the spirits of the original film. Um, I, and I think that is, it's a really weird question whether some of these things in the original should have been here, even as like bits of magical realism, I say with gigantic quotation marks, if that makes any sense. For me, just to just to piggyback off what you're saying with the magical realism, the the, the scene at the watering hole where they're singing "I just can't wait to be king." Yes, what a pointless, what a boring. In the original movie, <laughs> the the music starts and everything snaps into this yeah. very highly stylized, super cool looking thing. And sure, the stomping elephants as yeah. the beat. Yeah, and the and there, there's like a. I can't, I don't even know how to talk about it. There's like a pattern or colored background and everything just looks a little sharper except for the cubs. And they're like jumping and spinning and getting thrown by monkeys. I also would like to say that if any of the things that I'm saying did not happen in the movie, rest assured that they happen in the video game. (laughs) In the video game, you had to jump on a giraffe's head and then it would catapult you and you had to like subtly land on a tree or another giraffe's head and the monkeys would throw you and you had to pick the right monkey to get thrown by to set the sequence anyway in the movie (laughs) in the in the movie the original movie the animated the 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 cell animated the 2d animated original it's a colorful crazy bright moment that befits the jovial tone of the whole thing and in this movie you've just got this dumb cub (laughs) <laughs> prancing around and all the animals eventually line up for a semi-chorus line where they're all looking at the camera but none of them are dancing not like the the patterns don't change it's just it lets you know how much an animated movie is bolstered by the creativity and non-reality of its animation it's kind of the same reason that i keep saying that things like the incredibles or into the Spider-Verse will be the will always be the best superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe like well, The Dark Knight or something, because that one leans so hard is... into reality. But like you need that layer of unreality to make something mm-hmm. cool happen and to, to and get to me fun. on board. And so this watering hole scene with I just can't wait to be king, it saps all the sure. joy out of it. Like I would it be would have been prepared. better off just listening to it. Oh, yeah, oh, be prepared. Be prepared. Oh, just, man. Uh, I was going like, to save that look, for spoilers because I it, just need to. That's such a. Chimotel uh, was behind the eight ball trying to, you know, do anything in Jeremy Iron's shadow. Like, that's. that's. But it feels like <laughs> instead of making a choice to do something different, he's just like, what if I took this gregarious, dynamic, queer, flamboyant queer villain? Coded. Like, yeah, he's he totally is. Wait, totally is what? I, I really think he's queer coded. Oh, like, I don't I, agree with that at all. Um, But beyond that, Chiwetel Ejiofor is like, what if I underplay it hard? Well, and the movie underplays it along with him. It turns a sequence that features, you know, whatever questionable t- taste, goose-stepping hyenas and then they and like crazy mm-hmm. colors and, and fire and, and there's like that intense green and it's really sure. menacing and scary. And the sequence now is what if Scar speaks saying a couple bars while ascending a rock and 
then like he just you look back at what he sees when he's up on top of his rock and it's a bunch of real looking hyenas sitting and watching semi-attentively yeah and they're just like yeah i guess this guy's all right but you don't get the feeling of like oh he's whipped this legion up into a militaristic frenzy yeah because This this is this whole venture is a bad karaoke version of this film with a nature documentary serving as its visuals like trying to make the nature documentary fit the visuals and that's that's basically the tone and the feel of this is if you want the better visuals if you want the better music you go watch the original which is really sad and pitiful because they have some very talented people behind the scenes, behind the camera, behind the voice work. And they could have really like, I don't want to see a nature documentary for my Lion King. Like go for it. If you want to show off this technology, do something really cool with it besides show me something that looks so damn photo real that I'm sitting here fucking convinced that you shot it like for real like Bill legitimately took five minutes for us to convince him that this was an animated movie like like, what the (laughs) fuck even is this like i don't understand like like was that mouse real or not and nothing was real i know and if it's not real why didn't you have a fun sequence with it like do something cool with it well even if you want to do this super realistic i could kind of see enjoying some kind of really weird actual, you know, if you're going to use photorealistic animals, then you could go all the way with this technology and make them so, you know, not have them talk, not have them sing and do it like the bear or something like yeah. a kind of actual pseudo nature version. I don't know if that would be any good at all, but I think it would be more interesting than this. I think it would, be, it would be less really like interesting. A, yeah. yeah, sure. I am. Um, subs, not dubs. <laughs> subs, not dubs. What, what I, there's a couple th- there's a couple things that I thought while watching this movie, and I'm just going to run through a couple of them real quick to get to the one that's a better discussion topic. One, this movie reminded me of like watching a a high school production of a movie or a play because it's like clearly these people are very earnest. Clearly, they are trying to do something to distinguish themselves enough, but not, you know, really go too far away. And so I just end up feeling embarrassed And it also feels like they're just not capable. So, like, of course they can't have the monkeys throwing lion cubs. They can't do that. (laughs) Like, it's a high school production. It's not a Hollywood production. They don't have the budget for it. (laughs) The other thing I thought was Homeward Bound, real animals, voices, no moving lips, Mm -hmm. works a thousand times better than this movie. Absolutely. And I think it's just because at some point you're like, well, yeah, these animals are around people, but they still have a, an, a like an empathetic connection to each other that we are now verbalizing. Fine. That works. Also, just they have arranged themselves see, into a monarchy. Just wait until we see Bajowski's uh, Lady and the Tramp. Well, <laughs> that'll be addressed in conversation. Oh, God. <laughs> but see, the, the Lady and the Tramp. Is, but then here's the other thing I was thinking of is. So Dumbo is a movie that I took to task for not having the animals talk. But now I just don't know anymore. <laughs> I just don't know that there's a good way to do this. But then the the final thing, the thing that I thought might actually make like a good conversation topic, I now can't remember. <laughs> so if it if it comes back to me, I will bring it up. But I just remembered the high school thing, the the homeward bound thing. And then there was a third thing. And now I just don't remember what it was. 
So my my sort of talking about what you guys are talking about the songs I think really brings home I feel like and this is sort of anecdotal but I feel like every time I've these one of these things has gone into production there's been some kind of rumor or news item or something that says oh you know they might be cutting some of the songs or they might not be doing it with songs I know with Jungle Book like the reason that movie feels like a half musical is I feel like they did actually go back and forth about if they wanted to include the songs mm-hmm. you first say let's nick the song nick the songs make it different. And then, yeah, I think they probably hear from fans saying, oh, you can't cut these songs. They're amazing songs. They're such a big part of the movie. And they put them back in. And then when they do that, it always kind of feels like, if not begrudging, certainly, you know, from a distance. Uh, Aladdin feels a little more committed to being a a real musical. Mm -hmm. But you don't feel like watching that, like, oh, Guy Ritchie really knows how to make a musical. Even Bill Condon, who's made musicals, watching Beauty and the Beast, I never feel like, oh, he really has strong control over how to do this, though I think he probably appreciates them. I'm sure they would never do Beauty and the Beast without music. Um, And I think Mulan, there was a similar thing, where at first they were saying, when it was going to first announced, they probably won't have songs. And then it was like, well, maybe we'll incorporate the songs. And now I think the most recent line on it is, they might use that some of that song material for score, but it's not going to be like a, a musical. Oh, uh, breaking news out of Comic Con! They're 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 going to insert the dragon too. Uh, they're gonna they're just going to post convert it. What? I'm kidding. Oh I'm kidding. Jesus Christ, Bill! Because <laughs> <laughs> like well, they're going to Sonic Mushu. Is that <laughs> yes, yes. But honestly, all of these movies, save the Tim Burton ones, which for whatever you think of them, I feel like do feel like they were someone's kind of clear idea about what they wanted to do with Dumbo or a thousand wonderland. Most of these other ones do kind of feel like that. Even you're joking, but they do kind of feel like they're saying, uh, okay, well we added, we added this character back in at the last minute. Oh, we added the song back, back in halfway through because there's this weird push and pull between we're going to make it different, except we don't want to make it too different. And mm-hmm. someone like Favreau in this case, even more than the jungle book, it really feels like, I have no idea what he thinks of the Lion King, what he thinks this material is, what, what if he likes it or not. It yeah. just mm-hmm. is done as such a like kind of begrudging job. It seems <laughs> like, I mean, I have no idea what it was like for him. Day to day. I'm sure he was having a ball, but it just feels like a weird project management. You know, it doesn't feel like directing. It feels mm-hmm. like, okay, well, well it, it feels like an experiment. Thing. What's that? It feels like an experiment. It feels yeah. like that. That was his draw was, let me play with this technology, not yeah. let me remake fucking junk j- or the Lion King. Like that wasn't the draw for this well, movie, it, clearly, because it, if it was, it, it has been sapped of all energy and fun, except for Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. Like <laughs> the thing about experiments, though, is that they usually aren't beholden to, you know, 10 different producers or focus groups or whatever are sure. making these movies. So, mm-hmm. so it's like this it has all this kind of the worst aspects of an experiment and also the worst aspects of a giant blockbuster where there's it's an experiment mm-hmm. where there's nothing experimental on screen. It's only experimental in how it was made, um, which is which is such a weird trajectory for Favreau period because he was originally an outsider right he he made these films that had small budgets and swingers yeah and and that was a a weinstein uh i think purchase out of sundance that turned into a big hit film or at least a a minor hit film that kind of launched his career and same with uh uh what's his face who won't ever go away apparently um and uh you know 
And then he made Iron Man, which was kind of a backdoor kind of sneaky thing that ended up launching this giant MCU that now exists. And then he made Iron Man 2 and had a bunch of issues, right? And ended up leaving the MCU altogether, right? And, you know, seemed to be tasked or targeted for, you know, doing the eventual Avengers movie. Didn't do that ended up making Cowboys and Aliens, which was a complete and utter disaster, despite, like, gobs of talent all over the place. And then what does he do? He goes and licks his wounds and makes a small little movie called Chef, which is literally about people taking control of of this guy's, like, life at, at being a chef and just telling him, play the greatest hits, quit trying to make something new. And so... Now he's back into the Disney fold making Jungle Book, which admittedly was a little bit different, right? Like kind of pushed those boundaries, had some fun, really cool visuals. And then now he's here with this, which just feels like like an obligation. Well, and okay. it's such a first go ahead. I just have to, as I so often do, I have to correct something that Michael Snydell said. <laughs> okay. John I Favreau, for like five minutes. <laughs> John Favreau yeah. starred in and wrote Swingers, but it was directed by Doug oh. Liman. Oh, that's oh, okay. okay. Okay, but he did. Yeah. He did. To your point, he did make Made with also with Vaughn, which he did oh. direct in, his, in the similar vein of like, okay, he's he's making this scrappy indie comedy where it's the whole thing is the chemistry between him and Vince Vaughn, and it's such a weird these these big Disney movies are such. I mean, when someone when you say experiment, that's that's exactly right. But especially for someone like Favreau, because his strengths as a filmmaker are never really been that visual. But he has no. a great kind of looseness with actors. Like even Iron Man two, which I would to, I totally defend, is has delightful performances. Like the pleasure of that movie is watching the weird different combinations he puts together, where you got Sam Rockwell like riffing off Mickey Rourke, and you got Downey mixing it up with Sam Jackson. There's a lot of fun stuff in that movie. It's very actor based. And there's a kind of a kind of loose silliness to it that I find really endearing. And that's can't happen in the Jungle Book or the Lion King. Well, well, I mean, I mean, just think about the production of Iron Man, which basically went into production rumored to have maybe 50 pages of actual screenplay. And then they made a movie. And, right. He, and uh, Favreau you, was like, you give me Robert Downey Jr. I will fill the other hour of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and so... You know, they just kind of hammed it up and had some fun. And then, yeah, that that film has a limited amount of actual CG in it. So they were able to kind of work around those sequences and everything else is just kind of, you know, spitballed and put together. And that was able to work in that environment. Now, definitely not something not something that's going to be able to happen with Jungle Book or The Lion King. Why do I keep thinking this movie's Jungle Book? I don't know. But well, yeah. I, I, but I think I don't I'm, I'm not saying we're giving him too much credit, but I, I think that this design by committee style of blockbusters has become something that's become really popular. It's, it's become something that has at least frustrated me and Brian for sure with the with the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But I think what's strange about this is that. There, there's no weirdness that sneaks through here, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, whether you're talking about uh, Black Black Panther, you know, one of the better received Marvel movies or I, I can't even think of it really. Uh, Thor 2. Uh, see, that's pretty weird movie, too. OK, and Thor no, 2. Thor 3. Like, 
Thor three, Ragnarok. Sure, but but no, I'm saying, but I was trying to say a a film that's received well and a film that's received more polarizingly. Uh, Anyways, my point being though that like those have all been designed by committee, have this like algorithmic quality to them, as well, in my opinion. But there, it is, it's almost extraordinary to me that there is not even something I can pick out here other than those two performers that we talked about briefly, which is just improv, which I guess speaks to Jesse's point about actors, obviously, but it's still baffling to me. Here's, here's a weird thing that happened for black Panther, right? Um, right now I can't even think of the rapper's name. Um, but he made an entire soundtrack, which is littered with Kurt. Yeah. Kendrick, which is littered with curse words. And there's an entire soundtrack based on a Marvel property aimed at little children that has Kendrick Lamar basically, you know, and and a bunch of his crew, <laughs> you know, cursing throughout that soundtrack. And it's like, wait, what is this? Who who told you to make a soundtrack for this movie? It's so wild. And that's that's like one little aspect for Black Panther that ultimately didn't even really make it into the film. I think there's like snippets of the songs, but like, that's a weird outcropping of of that. Beyonce do something similar for this movie. Didn't she She did? She did. uh, She did. Uh, A lot of the stuff is uh, it's a mixture of original songs that are not in the film. Spirit is the one that did make it in, which which is is not a good, pretty turgid. Yeah. It's, it's not great. Yeah. But like, Beyonce was a clear play for her recognition and her star power to bring towards this film. Kendrick Lamar, not necessarily because he he's not, not even that movie. Exactly. Like sure. he's, he, sure. he's got like a, a snip of his song is in that film. And yes, they did kind of play him at like, I think a college football halftime show thing or something like that. And kind of promoting the film, but eh, that was not really. Yeah. It's not on the same level. That's no, no, yeah. And and same thing with Childish Gambino, uh, 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 Donald yeah. Clever, right? <laughs> like like clearly reaching for some kind of credibility, and and that's something but he that doesn't has seem to be... like he wants to be here. Like, oh, it, it's... okay, are we are we ready to talk yeah. about this? Yeah, sure. I would love to talk about the performances because they're they're strange. He <laughs> he when he when he comes in and he's like, "Stay away from my mom." <laughs> it, he he delivered it with the same gusto that he delivered um, his "Stay away from those hotties" line in the Halloween episode of Community, where he is dressed up <laughs> like Ripley in the Power Loader and Abed is dressed like the alien. <laughs> Uh, so that's just like the first thing but I yeah it, it's there was I don't know if it's I think I think this goes back to my statement about how much you need the animation to support everything else going on around it in the same way that I just can't wait to be king was a bad scene in this I think that without having the animal's face do anything there is a ceiling on what he can do with a naturalistic performance and they really needed to tell him, like, you are going to be acting through the 
placid face of a lion. <laughs> so I'm understand. I have seen Atlanta. You know, I understand you've got this kind of downplayed energy now. You're not hey, the- dog. Yeah, yeah. You're not the cartoon that you were sometimes on uh, on Community. Sure. I need you to amp it the fuck up, man. Like you, you need to just pretend it's radio play. You know, just go for it. And uh, he didn't do it. I think Rogan and Eichner felt empowered too, though I also feel like Eichner can't not do that. <laughs> that's true. I think yeah, that's it's, fair. It's the same. It's the same with with Zazu uh, being played by John Oliver, which sure. basically, like, it feel it, it seems like they basically took lines from the John Oliver show and just inserted. This is the news. Yes, I am. Um, well, he says reports. Yeah. <laughs> Even with Rogan and and Eichner, who we I think we all agree were were pretty funny. There's there's even less, we talk about a ceiling. There's definitely a ceiling in their performances too, because the animals aren't doing very much that's funny while they're talking. It really does feel like you're I, listening to to Rogan and, and Eichner riff, or in some cases, re- literally repeat. I didn't realize until I until I rewatched it with my kid. Uh, there's a couple jokes that they just made them repeat from the previous movie. Yes, uh, sure, which sure. is such a weird thing to do if you have these gifted comedians who are telling funny jokes in your movie and then say, "Wait, hold up, sure. pause." Make sure you tell an elaborate joke about the stars that's quoted from the original ver- movie verbatim for no reason. Yeah, I, I will uh, say I will say Eichner's uh, is it Timon? It's Timon, right? Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. Of course, Pumbaa is is the Pumbaa. <laughs> um, uh, he's a warthog. Or the warthog. Warthog. Uh, uh. Anyways, Eichner's character at least has some visual fun where every time he lands on another creature, like he lands on Simba at one point and lands on another creature and he's like picking through them for like, like little bugs, like little fleas. And like, like that's fun. Yeah. That is the only visual flair. That is the only visual flair throughout this entire movie where they actually had fun with the characters. Something that annoyed the shit out of me in this movie is how animal they made the animals act. Like, mm. I don't want Timon <laughs> to be picking for fleas while he's having a conversation with these. These he's when he first meets Simba, there's a point where like a bug lands nearby, and he like breaks eye contact, continues talking, but is like going after this bug. And I was like, mm-hmm. this isn't like it's not like Babe or something where it's like in this take the dog looked at a passing car, but it's it's still the best take we got from this dog. Someone spent seventy two thousand hours animating that bug to come and distract the meerkat. <laughs> Why are you doing that? And then I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but these lions are breathing steadily through all of their dialogue. So they're vocalizing but not utilizing their lungs to create the words that are coming out (laughs) it i noticed it once and then i couldn't not notice it it's just like if i were talking and my chest were rising and falling but you couldn't hear me panting for breath it's unnerving it's very strange and then john oliver does fine i think because he's got like a good voice and his zazu is is what zazu is but it was very odd to me that he, because he has bird eyes, had to keep looking at everyone sideways. And whenever he <laughs> talked, his beak would just go up and down with no discernible motion or tongue. 
<laughs> and so it became yeah, animals very were not hard to, to deal with. That's that's basically what we're getting at. Animals were not meant to talk. They're not meant to vocalize. Like that's that's why, probably why they don't they don't speak. Maybe I don't know. But again, you know, like, I don't like, know, Babe. I didn't have a problem with Babe. You know, Babe same. is fine. Uh, I don't know. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, I, I I I don't know. The more I think about this, I still think the problem. I, I think more than the photorealism. I think the camera work is a problem for never maintaining uh, maintaining any momentum and what we already talked about, the performances. I, none of these vocal performances, it's all too solemn. It's all too uh, devoted to trying to bring back what the other one was doing, but to try to make it, you know, more dramatic. I, like it, this could have been such a weird meta thing. <laughs> it's not at all. And it's and I think the other weird thing, you know, I've seen some people talk about this in relation to a video game, and I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. But the one thing that I can say is it reminded me of a VR experience I had where it was in a shark tank. And it's a terrifying experience until you realize that you can put your hand out and the the railing, <laughs> your hand goes right through it. And and that that's almost what all of the tech, the technological experience of watching this film was it's always a reminder that this is this is so this is so stiff and it's so focused without giving me any sense that like a world exists around it. It's it's so strange because it's so populated and it's you know you can see far beyond the far beyond the horizon but it but none of it feels animated none of it feels alive and it feels like if you touch it you would go right through it <laughs> jesse any thoughts no i mean i i agree it does it it does it doesn't for all of the beautiful animation work they've done making these things Feel like they have the animals. I mean, I may say things uh, have some heft and and you know, real. They're very. It's very convincing. I have to say, like it, it, there's, you know, I didn't feel like I'm watching it, like watching something completely weightless or just like you know. There's plenty of bad CG animals in film history that right up through you know the last year or so, mm-hmm. and I never felt that watching it. It's it's like immaculate in that sense, but there is a kind of the weightlessness is really kind of what you're watching almost more than the, the kind of the whole of it rather than the, than the individual animals. Any one of them, you look at one of those animals during any of those scenes and you think, wow, that's very convincing. Mm. But the kind of full picture of it, you know, there, there aren't any, uh, the kind of vast digital sets they've created are just like, it's just water and rocks and desert and, and jungle. There's nothing about it that makes you think, Oh, I'm really drawn into this, world so yeah of course yeah when you we feel exactly you feel like if you stick your hand out it's all just kind of it's all just kind of a simulation of what a, a jungle might look like or what the african plains might look like and i think that's what you know mentioned earlier someone mentioned kind of feeling maybe warmer towards something that's similarly nearly whole cloth cg like avatar or, or the star wars prequels both of which i'm i'm actually a big fan of the 
Avatar, yeah, exactly. Like at least it looks cartoony and it's kind of and certainly corny and it it's not really believable in the sense that you're watching and thinking I'm this is this is 100% was filmed on another planet. But it's doing something else with that technology, which is giving you something you wouldn't be able to see or necessarily imagine yourself. And I keep thinking of, I mean, not to like, I hate criticism that sort of backseat directs a movie or something like that. But you just keep thinking of when someone mentioned that I just can't wait to be King being such a clunky number where they turn it, all these musical numbers are basically, Hakuna Matata also is turned into a walk and talk, which is like, why are you even doing a musical number if they're just trotting along singing it in kind of a (laughs) pretend unbroken take? But the tools they have, they could do something so interesting. You could really, you could restage any of these musical numbers in so many different ways. Uh, and so many, like in taking this, by taking this kind of photorealistic thing and then trying to stylize at least some elements of it. Um, but they choose no ways. They just kind of choose the like, the demo reel version of all of it. Like, oh, this is what it would look like if you like made some lions walk around and try to, you know, pretend like they're talking. And they never got, they never get past that feeling of like, yeah, okay, so the nice demo. So what are you going to do for the actual movie? And it feels like they they did like a, re, a test reel for this movie and then just made it the movie. So yeah, certainly I agree. It's compl- it feels very weightless despite the individual elements all having the proper weight and dem- dimension and depth and all that on a technical level. And I'm one of the one of the things that um that I was thinking while watching this movie is when they get to the Pride Lands after Scar has fucked it all up. Um, it didn't look that bad. Like, wasn't great, clearly. But like, I remember the post-apocalyptic nightmare that it had become in the original. And I watched The Land Before Time the other day with my daughter. <laughs> and I loved that movie as a child. I feel like I've talked about my affection for it a lot on this podcast. The thing that I didn't remember. Wait, that did I you don't... traumatize your daughter? No, she's fine. Okay. <laughs> I think I had to talk her through some parts of it, but you know, she was, she was like, what's happened? Like, what, where's his mom? I was like, um, <laughs> she died and now he has to go find the great Valley where his grandparents are. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, there, there were moments, but you know, she's got to learn. Uh, what was I going to say? That movie I have many fond memories of and the landscapes are seared into my brain Mm-hmm. They are weird German expressionistic nightmare scapes that make very little geological sense during the earthquake, just like no, spears Jesus. of earth just jut up out of the ground. Yeah. The similar thing. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Similar things happen in this movie or not this movie in the original Lion King during be prepared. I think that as a child, I probably believed that at any given moment, steam, ethereal light, and just giant crags of rock would just shoot up out of the ground. Um, but that's awesome. Like it's, it's cool. Like there's the reason I think that the, the land before time stuck with me so much as a child is because those landscapes portray a mood so much more than they portray the physical reality of, you know, the extinction event that these dinosaurs are trying to outrun. And this movie doesn't have anything like that. And the original does it has the weird elephant graveyard where like there's the the cracks and the steam and everything and scar being lifted up on one of those jutting crags and you know how the savannah and the watering hole changes to like this kind of jazzy pure color thing and then how the pride lands become 
a freaking nightmare of environmental collapse. And this movie bleeds all of that out of it so that it just becomes like a nature nature documentary when Attenborough says it hasn't rained in four months on the savannah and the animals are beginning to become desperate. And Why doesn't Sarabi fair, but like it sucks? It's just not interesting. <laughs> Why doesn't Sarabi look like wiltered and and starving? Like if if that is Scar's like whole like point and mood and methodology to get the lionesses is is that right? Lionesses? What what are they? Lions? I, I don't know. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um to get them on his side, like he's basically starving her. He's basically says that, right? And this movie is live or you know, photo photorealistic. And they're going for that. Why doesn't she look like she's starving? She just looks there's there's a part of me that like says that that's kind of nitpicking, but then there's another part of me that wants to point out that Scar begins looking like shit, becomes king, apparently rules for many years, and still looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like his kinghood has allowed him to like become gorged on gazelle meat and like fat and and rough and tumble, or like. I don't even like I don't even know. He just he looks bad. He looks bad the whole movie. I'm surprised that he lives. <laughs> like just <laughs> through age, I'm surprised that he lives. I what, what the fuck is this movie? Like what, why why does this exist? <laughs> Jesse, just, what were you going to gonna make... say? Oh, God. Well, I was just saying that's one you know, you like what the game watching this movie if you're familiar with the old movie becomes like spotting, okay, so what What's different? What tiny morsels of scraps are, are, are have they done differently in this? What have they tossed us like like a tiny scrap of antelope meat or whatever? <laughs> and I, I remember correctly from watching the, the the old one with my kid recently is that I don't think there's the implication that they add in this one that Scar was turned down by Simba's mom. Yeah, yeah. they add and, that in, and it barely means anything no it means yeah it means nothing because they still don't want to actually have like anything even coded sexual in the movie right uh, yeah. so it's it is it's entirely meaningless but it's it's interesting in in the kind of you know the, once you've established okay this movie is going to be bad which is <laughs> you know relatively soon into it yeah that sort of the little fun i had was like okay let's try to figure out why <laughs> these little changes that they felt okay to make were made. And I usually couldn't come up with any kind of answer, but they're, you know, so like, yeah, someone said, someone mentioned the, um, you know, Nala gets to do like a 30 second, like, Hey, look over there kind of, uh, uh <laughs> prison break. And, and I think I, it, the, what's kind of scary about it is that you imagine between that and the like extra line or two, uh, toward, or maybe involving Simba's mom, that you kind of get the feeling that they're, they're going, someone's going to themselves. Yeah. Yeah we've empowered the women of this movie more like yeah 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 like we fixed that we fixed that like look at the, those two lines are there um, but what's crazy least, is like, that you know, nala and sarabi were pretty much the same amount of empowered as in the previous like, yeah in yeah, the previous movie like she she pinned him twice in another movie the reason that he realizes it's her is because she pins him again uh, mm -hmm. like her her prowess over him in battle was seeded all the way back in 1994 so no woke points for you no, disney no. <laughs> this isn't well, the little I girl knew, in I dumbo knew. liking science all right you're not covering yeah. up any sins nala's always been a badass 
<laughs> I knew this movie was going to be bad when it, it, Alfred Woodard's Alfred, Alfred, why can't I say anybody's fucking name in this movie? Yeah, you're really you're uh, doing Al- real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Woodard's uh, w- w- uh, what is his name? Rafiki. Uh, he wait. Alfred little... Woodard doesn't do Rafiki. Alfred Woodard is Sarabi. Yeah. Rafiki's the monkey. I'm sorry. Who? Ah, what character are you trying to talk about? Rafiki. Rafiki. The monkey. Yes. Who who voices him? John Connie. John Connie. Okay, there we go. Um, When John Connie's character, Rafiki, uh, splits open the plant and then puts the little thumbprint kind of bloodstained kind of thing on a young Simba and I looked at it and I was like, wait, where's the red? <laughs> and I was like, is that all you're giving me? Are <laughs> a little you, smear. Are you, yeah, yeah. It was like a faint powdering. And I was like, what the fuck have they done to my movie? <laughs> and so, yeah, like even and then we get the sequence where Rafiki like shows us a, a, a Simba on the tree and you're like, is is that supposed to be Simba? Like you're looking for the red smear again, and you're like, w- I don't see the red smear. Like yeah, he's I don't a much understand. worse artist in this film. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just can't make it's it just, work. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's awful. Also, I like this is just you know n- nothing against John Connie, but I mean Robert Guillaume still the Rafiki in my heart. Sure, I mean he's like a, he's a much more mischievous character like they that's taken out i legitimately thought he couldn't talk in this movie for the (laughs) longest time because he doesn't he doesn't yeah are are we the the bit that um the the one thing that i felt like was substantially changed and it sort of runs parallel to that bit with a mouse and scar at the beginning but i actually i'll say i like this is it's just for a novel, a novel moment of saying something that I liked about this movie. Um, the transition from, you know, the, the what's it very quickly and kind of mystically and, and vaguely in the, in the original film, the Simba's fur on the wind alerting Rafiki and to sort in sort of a mystical way that, that he can sense from that or see from the fur or whatever that, that Simba's alive. Yeah, it's like fur that and flowers sequence, and stuff. Yeah, where they sort of made this elaborate sequence where you follow it through these different, you know, you know, gets in an animal's mouth and you see a dung beetle pushing it along and all this, which is silly stuff, but at least felt like, okay, this is something you can do that's kind of of neat looking. And it elaborates on a moment in the cartoon that certainly didn't need to be elaborated upon, but it's kind of a neat translation to... You know, you're you're hitting a lot of different animal groups instead of it just being like the yeah. fur is on the wind and, and Rafiki senses it. Uh, I was, that was kind of a fun, a fun little little moment. It doesn't really mean anything in the context sure. because the movie is so aggressively right. meaningless. But <laughs> it was a moment where I felt like, OK, this movie is half an hour longer. That's one of the only times I could point to something where I could say there is a reason why. Because right. otherwise I'm baffled of the fact that this movie is half an hour longer. Be prepared is pretty much happens. is pretty much gone. So we we've gained that sure. time back. Yeah. So where are we losing it elsewhere? Spirit is added. Spirit is added, which is <laughs> terrible. Uh the mouse, you know, gets five minutes of screen time. Yeah. <laughs> gets his sad mm-hmm. card. Um what was I gonna <laughs> I was gonna say something. Oh, 
you bring up that moment and all the people in the theater when they saw it in that dung like immediately were out of the movie <laughs> they were like <laughs> i don't want rafiki to pick that up now that's gross and disgusting like what's happening here and i was into it i wanted i wanted to see more dung in the movie <laughs> i wanted to see rafiki like csi his way to like figuring out where simba was like be like oh okay so i i like there's this kind of water from this river this is like you know coated in the dung of a giraffe that i know only is in this place but instead it's just it's just sort of something funny to do except that it takes so goddamn long (laughs) and um i had some problems with that i i you know i maybe to sort of start to wrap it up i mean do we have any general thoughts about the future of these remakes i I mean is this enough that it's going to (laughs) spoil you for a few more movies before you try it again i I mean are you guys Mulan looks like it could be fun. I think that that, but then again, you know, it's this weird thing where it's like, are they remaking the movie or are they retelling the story? You know, like, mm-hmm. like Maleficent well, not is not to do a... the second. <laughs> what was that? They're not really allowed to do the second at Disney. <laughs> well, I mean, Just Maleficent is a whole fucking thing that they're doing. You know, the, the mistress yeah. of evil is coming out. Yeah. So like, like that's... <laughs> and then Dumbo, which I know that no one else but me saw, except for Jesse, I think you mentioned it. Um, the whole of the original movie, Dumbo, takes place in like the first 30 minutes of that movie. And then it has to fill time, I think, poorly. But they, they're they doing something. So, but, but like, it's like the Mulan thing. Like the people who love Mulan, they love Mushu, they love the horse, they love the music. I still can't go to karaoke without some asshole getting up and singing be a man <laughs> you know and then that's, that's uh, insane to me the songs in that movie are so bad and so unnecessary <laughs> i like that movie i like that movie a lot i just there I, are the fact, when i found out that there are people who are into them songs in mulan i was like that's it. any <laughs> shitty song from a disney movie must have like thousands of fans because those are the bottom of the fucking barrel because they get they, they i mean first of all every disney movie is so wide-ranging that like yeah I am, I am this is this is pointless and unnecessary but I, I am confused at the fact that the Frozen 2 trailer seems to lean so heavily on the opening music from the first movie which is like this very weird nordic chant thing that then is never referenced or even come close to again in the rest <laughs> of the movie so I'm like, really? You're like, you're leaning into that as your theme. Like you are once again, or is this like another bait and switch before we get like Olaf's song and then let it go, <laughs> you know, or that stupid song about how she's in love with a guy anyway. But so the point I was going to make is just, I don't know how Brian, Disney love is an open door. <laughs> love, love is an open door. Um, I don't know if I'm nervous or just gassy. Isn't that one of the lines? <laughs> yeah. that's it for somewhere. the first time in forever i've just watched this movie again today <laughs> oh yeah that's right <laughs> son of a bitch that's right <laughs> love is an open door is the rapunzel movie tangled right no no love is an open door is also in frozen sorry <laughs> it's also in frozen uh but it's a different song from the first time in forever which is the op- kind of the big opening number in frozen Wait, okay the rapunzel okay. song is when my life begins i think is what oh that's about. right yeah <laughs> You can you can I, look for it when the when the re, the live action Rapunzel comes out in a couple of years. Uh, I like Tangled. I oh, will yeah, say that Tangled's yeah, a great. Tangled's movie. great. I like 
Tangled's better than Frozen. Fight me. Um, oh no, yeah, that's that, that's definitely no. a, a correct. <laughs> that's opinion. true. No, that's a, and that's Moana's a better opinion. than both of them. I would no. Moana sucks. <laughs> oh, Moana's a real bad Brian. movie. Brian. I, okay, I will caveat what I have just said by maybe it's just because my daughter made me watch it so much. But <laughs> also, I think that movie is horrendously perfect. paced, and all the music is bad. Um, no. <laughs> during my family vacation. We listened to a lot of Moana music because we were on a beach and I ruined the I am Moana song for a lot of people because I kept jokingly saying like random phrases that all ended with island or considered the coconut. The what? (laughs) So like, you know, the like when she's like talking about how she's different from her island and like everyone is like she doesn't fit in. She wants to go on the water. And then, like, the big part of it is when she screams, I am Moana. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. like, there is a point in that song where they rhyme island with island legitimately three or four times. And none of my family, I guess, had ever heard it. But I kept making fun of it so much that I made them listen to it. And then they all were like, wow, I can't believe that's happened. Anyway, I don't like Moana. You sound I keep like fun, tr- Brian. <laughs> I keep trying to. <laughs> it's like it's like everybody on this island is so happy on this island but I don't like this island or some shit like that. I would argue that's not that's not trying that's not trying to rhyme. That's like it's just the rhythm of the song. But uh, <laughs> well, I also you you know what Jesse, we'll have you back for a classic review of Moana, and you and I can go over. This. That's right. That's right. The thing I've seen, I've also seen it a lot of times, so I can I can definitely go deep on Moana. Okay, great. Okay. It'll be great. Two dads talking about Moana. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you saw Moana? Can you predict the last time you will see Moana? <laughs> I feel like it's the, the, the predicting the last time is going to get super dark. That's going to be like <laughs> moments before my death, probably. Just sitting in the hotel room and your great great granddaughter puts it on and you're just like, right. we meet again. <laughs> the live action remake of Moana. <laughs> um, <laughs> this got real dark. The thing that I have been trying to say is I feel like Disney is in an unwinnable position with a lot of people because let's say you like The Lion King and you're excited for this remake. What are you excited for? If it's too close to the same, it's going to be the critics who are like, what's the point? If you deviate too much, the fans are going to hate you. I think they like have to start hewing a little closer to the original, which is going to alienate the shit out of some people. But like... Apparently Aladdin did really well, right? And I knew a lot of people who were hardcore fans of Disney who loved Aladdin, the remake. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how they're going to respond to this one. Because, uh, like I said, like a lot of the best parts are gone. Like when people, when people meme about or reference these movies, it's Mushu saying, like, shame on you, shame on your cow. It's Scar doing literally anything. You know, but like, like this movie just gets rid of all that. And Mulan got rid of that, but seems to have added awesome martial arts action. I think that's the problem is that this movie doesn't even add anything into the void. Like Dumbo, for all its faults, tries something. (laughs) It gives you a one-armed Colin Farrell. So you're saying you want a martial arts action in in your Lion King movie? Yeah. Legit. Like, so basically Kung Fu Panda. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um we never really nothing a is wrong section. with kung fu panda don't don't yeah it's that. fine yeah it's, it's fine it's perfectly serviceable anyway <laughs> we we should we should start wrapping up um but we we never really delineated a spoiler section so i'm just gonna do it now 
It's the does dog diet does the dog diet the end dot com game. <laughs> I've spent a marginal amount of time trying to come up with a better name for this game. Can't do it. So if you have any, uh, uh, last week when we talked about my um, Girl Gets Trapped in a Tiger Pit movie, a lot of good people on the Slack giving me suggestions. Uh, my favorite is still, we fought a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you have a suggestion for the does the dog die at the end dot com game, just uh, let me know on Twitter or in the Slack channel. So basically the way this is going to work, I'm only going to pick a couple of these because there are a lot. I'm going to ask the question. You tell me yes or no. So obviously the first one, does the dog die? Yes or no? No, no, no dogs die in this. Does one prairie one dog piece? count? <laughs> no, there is no dead dog. Now, here's another question. Does an animal die? Yes. Mufasa. A few. It says lions, hyenas, and bugs. Apparently they do not care about the antelope. Here's another one. <laughs> This one's for you, Jesse. Are animals abused? <laughs> yeah, I mean... In the that's... original, definitely. <laughs> I, I was thinking about whether, you know, when we were talking earlier about whether any of this was filmed with a real camera, I started concocting an elaborate conspiracy theory wherein they did try to film a lot of this stuff with real animals for reference, and so many of them died that they just came <laughs> up with this big cover story about, oh, it's a breakthrough in VR. <laughs> They basically uh, had the, the problem with the, the second season of luck. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to the dumpsters full of lions out back at the Disney lot. This was all a virtual experience. <laughs> so according to doesthedogdie.com, the answer is no, no animals are abused. They never know, though. What do they know? <laughs> all right. Here's another one. Are there fat jokes? Yes. Uh, yeah. Pumba, or yeah, Pumba gets uh gets called fat. Yep, and does the dog die dot com agrees with you. Yeah. Now, are there ghosts? Yes. No, because Mufasa is not a ghost because we don't even fucking see him. He's, yeah, he's like he's like a force ghost at best, and not even like a good force ghost. All right. So <laughs> according to does the dog die dot com, no, there are no ghosts in this movie. Well, fine. Fuck, does the dog die? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Here's an easy one. Does someone fall to their death? <laughs> oh, wait. No, though, right? Like oh, wait, no. Yes. Is, is Mufasa killed by the fall or by the trampoline? For the stampede? Yeah. Well, that's that's the classic question from the original, isn't it? Was it the chicken or the egg? <laughs> yeah. What's yeah, the what's the, the collateral line? I didn't kill him. I shot him. The bullets in the fall killed him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but according according to doesthedogdie.com, yes. Now, here's the problem, though. It says Mufasa and Scar fall to their deaths. Untrue. Scar, 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 falls to death. Scar yeah. is eaten by hyenas. Yeah. Yes. Also, it says several hyenas are pushed off the cliff. That's true. We don't know if those hyenas survived. <laughs> no, we don't. Which is why I said uh, there are no dogs that die. Because... We see one get get shoved off a cliff, but we don't or jump off a cliff. I think it's chased or chasing and then falls. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final do, one. Do hyenas eat lions, by the way? I think they eat anything that's dead already. Huh? Yes. Yeah. They're just scavengers. They are pack, right? yeah. yeah, they're pack hunters. Primarily pack scavengers. Yes. Right. Um. So there's uh, I'll just do I'll do two more. These two should be fairly easy. Is there blood slash gore? No. 
there's a little <laughs> bit of there's a smear of blood on someone one of the I think on Scar's fur. Yeah, it's according kind to kind of in that weird the weird uncanny thing where on, on the on the face on the face yeah yeah yeah, yeah. When, Michael when you are once again wrong. Um, all right. According to doesthedogdie.com, yes, there are bones and carcasses seen on the ground throughout the movie, and a little blood is seen on Scar's mouth as he eats an antelope. <laughs> Final are one. We writing this? Are we writing this in real time? What's going on here? <laughs> I was about to say, uh, like, we're going to have to start keeping score because Michael is really losing all right, this. Just do the and, last question so we can get out of here. <laughs> all right. Finally, is there dog fighting? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> they do hit each other i think no i keep thinking about the original and the original the hyenas like constantly hit each other and, but and in this film does does dog fighting does it count as dog fighting if it's like consensual like dog fighting <laughs> traditionally means like humans forcing dogs to fight each other i feel like if dogs decide to fight each other i, I don't know see this is the fun of the does the dog die.com game because yes you gotta you really to guess what the type of people who need a crowdsourced emotional support spoilers <laughs> website are believing and thinking right now. This isn't as good as Crawl or Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> too bad we couldn't, too bad we couldn't do Midsummer. Uh, the answer according to this is no, but the lions are frequently fighting with each other and other animals. <laughs> so that is And the, the humans made them do it because they created the lions, right? Yeah. Now I'm gonna ask you a question one question oh from the original God, so does a cat questions. die yeah Mufasa yeah good work Bill do you write does the dog die <laughs> my favorite though is does a horse die which is though its status as a horse is debatable a zebra is presumed to have been killed by Scar <laughs> I mean I'm presuming zebras are killed all left and right by tons of lions in this movie outside the frame. Not to, to pin that all on Scar seems unfair, you know. That is a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Scar Scar's innocent, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's the doesdogdie.com game. Going to be great doing this for the farewell next week. <laughs> Maybe we'll skip it for that one. We'll see. We'll see what this says. Anyway, that's our review of the Lion King photorealistic <laughs> remake, nineteen or nineteen ninety four, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> Hopefully, you have enjoyed this, and it has been helpful to you in some way. I don't know how, though. Any final thoughts of this before we wrap up, guys? Nope. I, I would say there's a little bit of relief in me that all of the big Disney nineties movies are out of the way. I'm sure we'll get more of these remakes, especially with the lion King making so much bank this weekend, but I feel like they don't feel quite as beholden with their older movies or their movies mm. that are not massive hits. So that we're got getting the beast and lion King. I guess you still got little mermaid to go, but that was well, an eighties movie. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was 89. But I feel like that's another one. They're going to be very faithful with, although at least the casting is, is like interesting and, and not, you know, super textbook for that. But I feel like those three big ones out of being out of the way, is just a relief because I'll sure I'll see these movies to review them and stuff. And <laughs> I feel like none of them will be, I, I can't imagine that they'll all be as bad as this Lion King movie. So that's a weird kind of hopefulness. I, I just can't picture them making three or four more of these that are as bad as the Lion King. Now here's the thing though. You say that they've got the big nineties ones out of the way. I have a question for you. Who put yes. the glad in gladiator? <laughs> 
<laughs> is this a song from Mulan? Because I don't fucking remember a single <laughs> No, it's a song from Hercules, <laughs> baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I love Hercules, but I think I don't think it would it would bear out that that's one of the big ones. <laughs> I know right. many, many women who are in my general age range who would disagree with you. Well, I, I just hope they get – that's one where, you know, the way they, they – had re, uh, James Earl Jones re-recite his Lion King lines in this movie. I hope to God that Danny DeVito is involved in some capacity. <laughs> he is an actor, a producer, a director. He is he directs, so you know, as long as DeVito's involved in some way in the Hercules remake, I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah. yeah uh, DeVito should direct again. Yeah. He should direct <laughs> it, he should be Phil again, and he should talk Tate Donovan into being <laughs> they should just get everyone who did a voice to play the same damn character. I'll, Is Rip Torn still alive? Oh, no, he just passed. Wait, are you serious? Rip Torn like passed last week. Oh yeah. shit, he died on the ninth. <laughs> oh, um, rest in peace, Rip Torn. I thought you were doing a bit in an incredibly poor taste. No, I had no idea, and I'm leaving this in. Oh, All right. Well, that's a downer note to go out on. Um, let me remind everyone that we were brought to you by Mubi for a free 30 day trial of Mubi. Go to mubi.com slash film stage. If I get this out in the next two hours, make sure to check out Like Someone in Love by Abbas Kiristami. If not, there's still 30 other great films to check out. Again, you can get a 30 day trial by going to mubi.com slash film stage. Also, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash film stage show to give us your money. And that's that. Next week, barring any Dallas-related release schedule fuck-uppery, oh, we'll, be t- <laughs> we'll be talking about The Farewell, so look forward to no, that. No, we're not. No, we're not. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, crap. Week. So when are, we're going to have to try to double up or something, because I don't know yeah. how long The Farewell is going to be around for. I know. I know. We need, we'll need. we we'll make it happen with our non-existent schedule, but we'll make it happen. We're also we're definitely going to be talking about both. I don't know when either is happening. That is true. Now, the does the dog die.com game is going to be great for once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be tuning in for that. Um, but until the next time, whichever one comes first, why don't we tell the fine people at home where it can be found on the Internet? Let's start with Jesse. You could follow me on the Twitter machine at Rock Marooned and uh, you can read the AV Club. Uh, Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on the internet at CableBFG on Twitter, and then you can also find me on the Slack channel. Um, yeah. All right. Michael Snydell. You can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell, where I will be uh, telling you why all of your favorite Disney classics are not, in fact, that good. Um, and, uh, I'm fine with that. Just don't try to tell me they're problematic. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> and at Letterbox at uh, Michael Snydell. I, I had that earlier with, uh, I was watching Goldeneye with my partner. It turns out that movie aged in a weird way. <laughs> Clearly this is a conversation we're going to have to have out. Oh, it is. Now I'm it curious. Is. It will come up on something future related. And I'm not going to say anything more than that. <laughs> Alright. Creepy and cryptic. Uh, I can be found on the internets uh, at Brian J. Rowan. That works everywhere from Facebook to Instagram to Letterboxd to Twitter. And of course, you could find my writing at filmstage.com and my personal site, dearfilm.net. And um, you can find every episode of this podcast at filmstage.com. 
So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us and tune in next week. Of the king. Why is he sick? No, fool, we're gonna kill him.